0: It's the Sticks and Bricks Podcast where we take a look at all the parts, pieces, and situations that come up every single day in your home building business so you can listen, learn, and take action to build a business that's as strong as your home's. I'm your host, Brad Hubbard. Thanks for listening. Have you ever been called on by a representative from a fleet management company who wants to come in and talk to you about the possibility of outsourcing your business's vehicles? I know how it goes. The call comes in while you're putting out the normal daily fires. And to that representative's chagrin, you end up turning down the meeting. That fleet management rep is persistent though, and after several contacts, you finally agree to meet him or her. Quite honestly, sometimes that meeting comes in the midst of putting out those daily fires, and you really don't get a chance to fully think about how this could affect your business. I actually had this experience myself, and today's guest is that exact fleet management rep who had called on me several times until I finally had him come down, sit in my office, and review their program. Now I have to be honest, I didn't take the time to ask the questions that I should have, but that was partly due to the fact that I was putting out those daily fires and I really didn't take the time to think through the questions that I should have asked them. Mike Helsel is an Area Sales Manager for Enterprise Fleet Management from San Antonio, Texas. In today's episode, we have the Q&A session that I should have had with him back in that meeting in 2013 or 14. The nice thing for you is that, after we finished recording, Mike told me that these questions were the most common questions he gets from home builders and other business owners all the time. So by listening to this episode, I've just saved you the time it would have taken to think through, ask, and get answers to the questions that you should be asking. Mike gives clear answers that will allow you to assess whether outsourcing your vehicles makes sense for your company. So let's jump over to the interview now. Hey, this week on Sticks and Bricks, it's pretty interesting how we came across this. Uh, scheduled this particular episode a couple of weeks back before any of the uh, coronavirus kind of shut down everybody's in-office activities, sending uh, employees kind of fleeing to their own homes and doing all kinds of things like that. Uh, this actual episode, we talk about something kind of similar, but not really. It's really about taking vehicles that are part of your normal fleet, where home builders have long just purchased vehicles, run them into the ground, let them go. We're actually going to talk about kind of another process of how to handle vehicles, and that's fleet management. So I reached into my long history of folks I've worked with over the years, uh, found a gentleman who had come and approached me in our home building business back in, I'm guessing, 2014, 15, somewhere around there, we'll find out, and uh, talked about uh, potentially outsourcing the fleet to them. So want to introduce Mike Housel with uh, Enterprise Fleet Management. Mike, thanks for coming on today.
1: Yep, thanks, Brad. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Do you think, was that around 2014-15? Is my memory serving me correct? Would that be about right when you were in to see me?
1: Yeah, it would have been probably late 13, early
0: 14, yep. Okay, and you've been with Enterprise for quite some time. Is that right?
1: I have worked for the Taylor family. Yep, I've worked for Enterprise since 2008, May of 2008.
0: Wow, okay. And was that always in fleet vehicles or or did you start in kind of like the regular rental um, car area that most travelers go and see or do you mind expounding a little bit on that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I started with a pretty traditional career path. I came out of school and went into their management training program and ultimately worked in the branches that people rent cars from um, for about five or five and a half years. And then I flipped over to our fleet management division six years ago now. So I've been been there for about half my career.
0: Okay, that'd be about right. That's about when you came in to see me. And I'm going to tell you, when you came in to see me, you talked about kind of um, outsourcing our vehicles to do the fleet management with Enterprise. And if you've ever seen, you know, Wayne's World, I felt at that point, like I was Wayne looking at the contract going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. I I like what you've done here. I'll have to admit at the point because accounting sometimes escapes me on that end. I'm going, okay, I'm not really sure what exactly that means. So I don't know that uh, you won my business, but that wasn't your fault. That was my fault. <laughs> I'll give you that too. So, so why don't we talk a little bit about that, just in case there's anybody out there that's like me and doesn't necessarily want to admit they understand completely what that means. But uh, let's talk about what you mean when you say outsource your work vehicles to a fleet management company. How can that be beneficial to a home building company? You know, why is that important?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really great first question, Um, primarily because that's a question we get oftentimes when we first sit down with someone. And I think ideally when we think from a fleet perspective, what does outsourcing to us mean? um, That includes a lot of stuff. It starts from getting the vehicles, we call that acquisition, and then all the way through using it. So uh, managing the maintenance and the fuel and tracking it on telematics programs and license and all the way through, when should you sell it? And I think ideally, that's à la carte. So everything that we offer probably is not perfect for every business, but oftentimes we can plug and play certain things to help bring efficiencies to a to a fleet.
0: Hmm. So are are you finding then that um, you know just by outsourcing the folks who ask and, and think this is the right fit for them, is it just a matter of them trying to? kind of fix a cost as they go along so they know what their cost is each month let's say I mean or is it the fact that they don't want to necessarily have write-offs for you know use of the vehicles and maybe I'm getting too deep when I'm asking that question for someone who doesn't understand accounting (laughs) enough to to, I, I know enough to be dangerous I'll put it that way.
1: Yeah, for sure, which is a fair question. So I think here, ideally, the process of earning someone's business is pretty consultative. So everything you just mentioned could fit someone out there, right? I would say primarily um, when you look at things that business owners are tasked with managing, the fleet traditionally uh, falls pretty low on the list on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, that will percolate up kind of as needed. And the whole idea is to put together some type of plan so that we can way more proactively uh, generate a budget or a plan for replacements rather than kind of uh, having to do that when we need to because something's older or worn out hmm. or whatever.
0: Okay. So when you're, when you're dealing, are you finding most of the folks are talking to you or just talking, you know, vans and trucks, the actual construction vehicles, or do you also incorporate in... You know, things like, hey, the executive's looking for a a new BMW or something like that and put in, is that part of the process too? Or is that all part of that consultative approach?
1: All part of the consultative approach. Obviously, uh, owners uh, occasionally treat themselves a nice car. Sometimes they just get pickup trucks. But yes, we do all that. Um, So any light duty, and and I would say the majority of medium duty vehicles, um, up to an F750, for example, F650 with some specialty aftermarket. But we kind of play in that world of vehicle class.
0: Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So, do you find um, most people end up? Uh, I guess most builders, as they get involved, do they go and go all in, kind of with a whole bunch of a fleet at once, or do they usually need to try out one or two? Or is in, is that even feasible to just try out one or two?
1: That's a good question because. I think oftentimes when we first sit down, they assume we're going to, the term is often like, will you take my whole fleet over at once? And it's like, my gosh, no, uh, that would never make financial sense. Oftentimes with the, the consultative approach includes generating a plan of how we even implement a partnership. And traditionally that takes a couple years. So I'll just give some easy math for the folks listening. If you have a fleet of 30 vehicles, it's super common to replace five or six or seven in the first year not. 30 cuz sure. that would be a pretty alarming change i think to most folks listening so yeah it's not like that it's not a full takeover if you will
0: hmm. that was good dumbing down the math for me especially <laughs> yeah <laughs> cuz i guess it's the same way as if they would not necessarily outsource that fleet but are going they're not going to go buy 30 all at one time too so it's all kind of yep. i guess planned obsolescence if that's the correct terminology for it yeah, exactly yep but, okay so someone decides they want to go and they say okay we want to get into this um, you know, outsourcing out, we want to get a, a fleet of trucks started um, to move over to this concept. What is the, can you walk me through the process that they go through kind of to set up the fleet? You know, the general terms, is it like a lease, is it done by miles, time period, How how is that really set up and, and what are the steps they need to take if they would decide to do this?
1: For sure. So you kind of have two questions here. How do we get it set up? And then a bunch of stuff about terms. I'll tackle the first one. Right. Uh, the setup is relatively easy. Uh, the line of credit for the vehicles is underwritten in-house. Oh. Um, so similar to your bank line of credit, if you're listening, you have one of those really similar to that. We do that internally. Actually we do that locally. So someone like hmm. me and a finance director here will work to set that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, it's a few pages for a master agreement and we're kind of on our way.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, other, then you flip to, terms. That's a pretty big question. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I'm not sure if you intended to get into that right now or not. Uh,
0: <laughs> hey, that's okay. But oh, yeah, so now we got to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. So, so it's really done by what's the best time to get out of the vehicle. And it's, it's not anything like a traditional auto lease. So the folks mm-hmm. listening to this podcast may think, The L word's tricky and they're right. Leasing can sound tricky, but we don't Mm -hmm. generally uh, offer a net lease or a closed-end lease, which is what most folks are accustomed to seeing. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's called a commercial open-ended equity lease. So what we want to find is the best time to get in and ultimately get out or replace that vehicle. So the terms are done Mm -hmm. often by how many miles do you drive per year, what type of vehicle and when's the best time for that business to retain the equity in the fleet and get out of it. So it's a little different than the traditional lease that you talked about.
0: So, uh, do you ever get into that situation where they may have used up miles and have to pay per mile over it?
1: So, that's one of the advantages of the open ended lease. Okay. No mileage restrictions at all, no wear and tear penalties, no early termination fees. Uh, It's largely really similar to financing. Uh, Mm -hmm. The only difference is there's a higher reduced book value to help maintain some cash flow for the business. Mm -hmm. But they did not get too into the weeds.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. No, that's that's fair enough because I would probably glaze over if you got, (laughs) got too far in there. So by setting this up with a you know, local finance company at that point, is it, does it still, I mean, that goes against the builder's credit just like any other thing I guess they're entering into. Is that correct?
1: Uh, so we're a private line of credit. Um, okay. Not to get too deep into FASB and GAPGON lines, but because, um, because the Taylor family owns Enterprises is the line of credit, we are a private off-balance sheet line of credit. Okay. So non-reporting line is what most folks will probably uh,
0: be familiar with. Fair enough. For those accounting folks listening, they'll probably get that. And uh, again, I'll yeah, go back to go. my Wayne's <laughs> World movie and go, "Yep, I like what you just said." <laughs> we'll continue with that. So, um, do builders generally? Let's say again, they they've come on, they put on some vans, some trucks. Those types of um, of vehicles did not go for any of the executive ones in, in my scenario here. And they want to outfit the van with toolboxes, shelves hitches those types of things again i guess first of all is that something you help set up or if not is there any issue with them adding those types of things those extras on to the vehicle and, and how does that change agreement? i asked about three questions there, I think.
1: yeah re- really common questions too and we do that all the time so the last thing we would want is to take your beautifully branded vehicle and have to change that because for a lot of folks that's advertising sure. so we have no problem with doing that we have no problem with ladder racks bulkheads any. Any traditional construction truck is really the bread and butter of our partnerships. We take on um, the logistics, we take on finding them, we take on paying them with the vendors for all that. And ideally, uh, the way that the aftermarket looks is it gets delivered to you ready to rock and roll. That's how that's designed to work.
0: Hmm. Even graphics, logos, those types of things too? Or again, is that just graphics is still so local, you have to still do that locally?
1: Nope, graphics too. Yep, we do that all the time.
0: Wow. Wow, that's pretty cool. Now, do um, you have to get in, uh, again, I'm I'm assuming auto insurance is handled just like it is on a lease vehicle?
1: Yep. Yeah, auto insurance sure, doesn't change early on in the partnership, but we do offer that as a potential um, for us to manage. But oftentimes that's a, a handshake relationship already and we don't like to break that up. So insurance would be handled exactly like if you purchased it and had never met us. Yep, oh, still okay. your car, still insured by the same people.
0: Okay, great. And how long do you typically? You know, how, how long do you typically go into these agreements? And again, I'm sure it probably varies.
1: Yeah, I would say a traditional agreement in the construction world uh, is somewhere between three, four, five years.
0: Okay, pretty similar on, on, on what you see from a residential lease, I guess, in some ways.
1: Uh, for sure, from a term and a length perspective, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely.
0: Good, and you're dealing though, with new vehicles or do you get into used vehicles whenever you enter into an agreement?
1: Yeah, so I've been doing this for I've been working for others for 12 years, and I've only ever leased uh, four used vehicles. So that's uh, okay. another really common question. But uh, generally, brand new, and that's because uh, you know, one of the benefits of working for a company like a uh, like enterprise is we can go directly to the manufacturer. And from a cost perspective, uh, the cost benefit is to go new versus used.
0: Sure, and I think that's that's part of the nice part on the builder. You want those new vehicles when they come in, so. For sure, yep. I certainly wouldn't want a vehicle after we <laughs> we ran it into the ground and say, hey, <laughs> go ahead and you know, find a person on that. So maybe there are some. Any other limits? Like I always look at this kind of with a skeptical eye, you know, obviously looking, okay, you know, what else are you limiting? You know, do you have to say, hey, we only can go to, you know, Enterprise Service Center so they get a cut of that? Or can you go anywhere to get a service just like it's your own?
1: Anywhere, just like it's your own. So the last, again, the last thing we want to do is change the process of how, Uh, You're currently operating your business. I just want the vehicles to run for the lowest total cost to own and operate. So from Mm -hmm. a service perspective, from a where can you go get gas perspective, all of those things, Mm -hmm. your folks in the field should feel no difference.
0: Okay. And does enterprise offer any of that in case they wanted to go there or not?
1: Yeah, we have fuel and maintenance programs. We don't own the maintenance facilities. We just have partnerships with about 150,000 vendors in the U.S. Okay. Um, and so that's going to be any of your dealerships, you Loop, stuff like that. But if you mm-hmm. if that you're not interested in or it doesn't work for you, then just keep maintaining them like you are today. That's no problem. No problem. All right.
0: That's good to hear because, yeah, you always – I always have to look at something with skeptical. You know, you think of the uh, – I was called the baked potato principle. Hey, it looks pretty good up front, but you have to, you know, do this and you have to do that and they get you in the end. They get you in the end. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So um, the end of a, an agreement, we're done with our three year, five year, whatever this agreement is for the fleet management side of it. What are the options at that point? I mean, do we you always have to turn the vehicle over? Do you have the hey option to buy for a buck at the end like you do on printers printer sometimes or, um, you know, just buy it, whatever the market value is at that point?
1: Yeah. So this is the inherent difference between the leases I talked about uh, a couple of minutes ago. So mm-hmm. at the end of an open-ended equity lease, you have all the options, the same as if you purchased it. So I'll, I'll run down through those quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reduced book value. You can purchase it for that. So not for fair market, but for you've made all these payments down to that book value. You can just cut a check and own it. Mm-hmm. You can continue financing it over the next year. Um, then you just own it at the end of that year. You can ask us to sell it. When we do, we sell it for fair market value and the business retains the equity so that's the main benefit of this is the business itself always retains the equity in the fleet which makes it a lot more flexible and a lot less risky Um, or you can sell it get the equity and not replace it right maybe you don't need to um, Mm -hmm. and we would just sell it pick it up pick it up and sell it
0: and give you the money back it's that simple Hmm. that does sound pretty simple any extra costs hidden costs that a builder should be aware of at the end
1: no i mean i think we get that question kind of relatively often and that's because mm-hmm. most folks are used to that net or closed net lease where there's mm-hmm. some kind of hidden costs or mileage restrictions but as yep. far as open-ended equity leasing goes nope no hidden costs
0: man you're making the sound way too easy holy cow i should have oh, yeah. listened to you all those years ago how about it you're sitting there <laughs> going yeah i know I mean, you dummy you should have but <laughs> that's all right <laughs> and i want to kind of bring us around here too and and you know if you would say Three top reasons, let's just think of this. a top reason, three top reasons a home builder should consider outsourcing vehicles. I know we probably covered some during, during today's episode, but just kind of to wrap it up, what would you say they would be?
1: I think first and foremost, like any outsourcing, uh, that ultimately allows the business owner and leadership team to concentrate on whatever they're doing, building homes, running an HVAC company, and not trying to know when to manage and operate a fleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, which most would agree comes with some type of weekly, daily headache or challenge. So ideally, it allows you to kind of like put that on the back burner, but know it's being handled. And that's similar to copiers too, right? People do that all the time sure. with copiers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the second reason, and I've always used this description, it's the eight, nine ten rule of outsourcing, Okay. which means that if today your fleet's costing you $10 to manage, enterprise can probably do it for eight, but because most outsourcing companies are for profit, they do it for nine. So we make a buck and you save a buck. Mm-hmm. The theory behind that is professionals can probably run something like a fleet for the absolute lowest total cost of ownership. So you get all the benefit of that Mm -hmm. and you get to save a dollar doing it. And I think there's something to that, knowing it's handled and knowing you can save uh, money doing it. The reason I say that 8, 9, 10 rule is important is because prior to choosing a business partner like us, you should know the financial ramifications. So you should know if you're going to save money and you can quite literally quantify that. And Mm -hmm. there's something to literally knowing that. Uh, and I think the last part of it, and we didn't talk about it uh, prior to this, but there's a lot of soft dollar benefits that come with a safer, newer fleet of vehicles. To name a few, it would be safety, recruiting, less downtime, marketing, reliability. And the, the this last one I'm going to say, it can't be understated. Retention is difficult in that world. Sure. And if an employee knows that they're being taken care of, it matters. So I think mm-hmm. if I'm thinking three primary reasons, those are probably my top three.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a really good point because sometimes the folks in the office that make that decision think, well, heck, it's just a truck; they're going to be the heck out of it anyway. Why give? You know, why spend any anything sure. on them at that point? Let's run until until the wheels fall off, and we we like to do that. But you're right; the retention, especially in today's day and age, is is tough, and and the workforce has changed the, in ways. I I, I guess how how you respond with the workforce maybe has changed in ways, you know, from
1: probably, probably changed enough to have another podcast.
0: (laughs) There you go. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Very much on that. So, Oh my goodness. Well, I, I think this has been great. I think uh, what I really want to do is kind of explore this a little bit more, take a few minutes of your time. I I truly appreciate you doing that. And uh, I should have probably asked some of these questions back when you stopped in to see me and, and you know maybe you would have had that one more contract but at this point you know i'm hoping um you know and through this podcast anybody else that's considering that or have never really taken the time to you know take a call from a rep like you who's out there trying to say hey this is good and, you know i don't have enough time to think about it. they can listen to this on their way in or while they're you know quarantined at home right now and uh say hey maybe this is something we can check for sure thanks for the time Mike's been doing this long enough to fully understand what he's talking about and not just repeat some sales line by rote. And that's what makes him a great guest. I hope this episode gave you some great insight to how fleet management works and answered the questions that you might have for yourself. Many thanks to Mike Helsel for his time and his answers. And that does it for this week's episode of the Sticks and Bricks podcast. I'm Brad Hubbard. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep building a business that's as strong as your homes.